0: Hey, what's going on? It's your boy Joe Thunder back once again with another episode of the Smoking Joe Thunder podcast. I got my co host Elvis Freshly in the building. Yo, what's going on, man? Chilling, bro. I got a wahoo. Wahoo. How you doing, we man? No, we ain't did that a minute, minute, right, man? Forgot about that. We got a guest like we ain't seen it. I ain't seen it forever, man. So we got to bring back that Oh Bring old it back to old shit. There you go. There yeah, you go. Yeah. Real quick shout out to Be Good, our official sponsor up there on 11 West <laughs> Hampton. <laughs>
1: Where
0: are they up up north? 114th and Cherokee Street, right across the highway from Boondocks. Boondocks. Google we got, that shit, yeah, Google big that dispensaries. That shit. We got Juan on the video, we got Big Crook with us, but we got another banger for you today, man. We got a motherfucking, man, if you, He's definitely on the Mount Rushmore of MCs, oh. lyricists, cats, in that kind of caliber, bro. No, definitely. You know what I'm saying? Oh, a icon for sure.
2: For
1: you real,
0: know? bro. bro You've been, you been an you know, icon man, here for sure. A local? Somebody who, no, I guess not. You know? I
2: guess not. Made it out. Yeah, definitely done, you know? done
0: more than the local scene.
1: I guess
2: not.
0: But we've been waiting for this cat for a while, man. Yeah. You probably ain't going to see him on too much shit. But you're going to see him here on the Smoking and Joe Thunder podcast. You will. You know, he was down with a crew called Life. Mm -hmm. He's down with a group called Pirate Signal He's down with a group called Black Hearts. Mm-hmm. And now he's doing his thizzle. And we got motherfucking Jonas in the building. Yo, yo.
2: Yo. Yo. Baby baby. Yeah,
3: yo. How you doing, bro? Chilling, bro. What's up? What's nice. up? It's good to see you. It's like it says been a minute. To be Black in the legendary spot. I have seen many bro. interviews in here. So it's an honor to be in here. We're, we're creeping up on like it's 2 going three, down three. I'll yeah. say two, three
0: hundred. Like, I know we're somewhere <laughs> there, man. Nah, yeah, 250 at least. You like, gotta, gotta be, I bro. I think we're even beyond that. Nah,
2: we lost yeah, chaos,
0: bro. Bro. Yeah, but We definitely appreciate you coming by, man. Nah, you know, you, you got, know, got some new music? you
3: know Yeah, what I mean? yeah. Finally, after it's been eight years. Eight fun.
2: years, but, you yeah. take
3: a hiatus, huh? Wow. I did. I did something like that. I got to get right. Wow. You know why did I mean? you take
0: the hiatus, bro? What
2: happened?
3: You know, I think uh, a lot of unsustainable life practices bro. that okay, I had okay. to recalibrate so that I could. Because I think part of the thing about creativity is you get diluted into thinking a lot of. Certain things might be lubricants mm-hmm. to creativity, but in reality, they're hindrances. and right. then you develop these crutches, these dependencies, mm-hmm. and it sort of distorts your relationship with music itself.
0: And you're you're kind of like hitting on like, why do you art sober? The,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: The the the, uh, the influences are going to make it better, right? It's going to make it more.
3: Yeah, yeah, that theory, that that you know that I mean. belief system, and then
0: right. you said just, people get caught up in that shit. It's huh.
3: increasing. I mean, I think there's sustainable stuff like smoking. Yeah, you know what I mean, maybe a little drinking or whatever. But you start ratcheting up, right. like start including having pharmaceuticals yeah. or whatever. But and even
1: then, the drinking alone be it could kill you. Yeah. Wanted to no nah, yeah, and, and it does. It's it's one of the main you know reasons people are dying out here. But but nah, it I also. Know is the gateway for real for real that's why motherfuckers yeah, nah. be want to do bumps wanting to do the most right <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, sure, I'll take a pill real, yeah uh, are on some are when they drink yeah mm-hmm. yeah smoking down. weed you just end up smoking more weed and shit eating some a lot of junk food yeah exactly. i was
3: always more of a drug man myself though i was never much of a drinker you know what i mean uh-huh. but yeah. with that i just feel like i just kept ratcheting intensity cuz you know like nobody wants to talk about this but around the time when we was first met like 06 07 Indie rap had a opiate problem. Right. Had an Oxycontin oh, yeah. problem. Right. You know what I mean? And it was run rampant throughout the scene. That's where it and started. you know what's
0: crazy too is when you're someone of your caliber and your talent, you literally have people that are just trying to be down
3: with you giving it to you. Yes. Yes. Like here, bro. Yes. Boom. Yes. 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 And that was
2: Knock definitely. Knock yourself out. That was right. definitely
3: the. That's the
0: trap.
2: Gateway. That's the trap. Yeah. Track.
0: Mm-hmm. Because kids are trying to be cool and they think they're doing a cool thing, but in reality, like, there's really some sucker shit.
3: That's how they love, though. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's how they know the love. Right. That's loving them. Right. You know what I mean? Everybody's sick. But, like, I think part of the thing was, like, I was always like, oh, let me do this and then go make music. Then right. go make music. Then go make music. You know what I mean? I wasn't, like, out in the streets running to be wild. Nah. Just whatever they gave me. I went in the studio, banged stuff out. But nonetheless, I mean, it's like, I think somewhere along the line, you're like, I can't even do this without. It. You right.
2: Know what I mean?
3: And then it's like, oh, I got to I gotta relearn everything. Right. Like, I got to reconnect. Because, you know, I think that was the main thing was like, why do I even do this anymore? Why am I even making music? You know? And mm-hmm. having to figure did you, that out. Did
0: you lose that love and feeling for a while? Uh,
3: yeah. I would say not so much lost love and feeling in terms of loving music itself, mm-hmm. but why was I making music? Right. What? What? Cause I think even with this newer music, you know what I mean? Like part of it was, I really was getting into singing, getting into all these different vocal styles and shit, but just felt this obligation to do rap, you know? And mm-hmm. just that conflict made it to where it's like, I don't want to rap, but I feel right. like I have to. And so it's like, you know, so I remember I would have for years, I had songs that I'd have the hook and the verse would just be open for years. Cause I just,
0: right.
3: I don't want to do this. You know what I mean? So, like, even just that decision, like, fuck with everybody or fuck whatever. Do you, you know? feel
0: you were, like, forced into it by, like, the fans and shit like
3: that? No, I feel like just the culture I grew up in. Right. Because I feel like we grew up in a time where rapping and singing were just, like, you right. know what I mean? There's I- Lauryn Hill, maybe, but even she, she's a woman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there definitely wasn't that, like, in the space... So I feel like growing up around the, you know what I mean you know Life Crew all these you know what I mean because' motherfuckers is not receptive you know, to that shit. Right.
0: <laughs> I feel like that's right. kind of was I feel that that's kind of like Denver sound like that kind of Drake singing now, rap. You now know what I mean? that's what I'm saying. Even Our back generation. in the day, like I remember doing stuff with B Black and they were and even you know what I mean yeah, you B know Black other cats changing their shit up all the time, not being just sixteen bars. You mm-hmm. feel me? Mm-hmm. Nah, they switching it up.
3: I feel like B Black with somebody. OG on that singing and rapping shit but like I feel like in my space like Particularly like right. hip hop
1: that backpacky type yeah. the Get underground that shit. shit. Out of here. Yeah. I don't. I don't like, know if you remember. Yo, rem-
3: lyrical, yeah. dillical. Get that shit out of here. So I don't know if you remember, you
0: just- but he had a song that he did with Decca on Decca's album yeah. that was called Changes, which was fucking fire. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, I remember. When the sickest songs, like that hook on there, just happened, you know what I mean? Like, like damn, like.
3: Yeah, he's nice. He's uh, shit's nice. Shit's changed, you yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it was like. I'm not naturally a good singer or anything like that. you know it definitely was something I just wanted to sing, so I kept singing, kept singing, kept singing, kept singing. But I feel like we came up in a time where it's like, you know, you either blowing it down like a real singer, you know what I mean? But now uh-huh. we live in a time where it's like the, all the singers we know, nobody's like actually a good singer. They just got auto tune melodies. Yeah. You, you know just got to
1: have a cool little
3: cool rhythm, little vibe. Little you know what I mean? But I think that, for me, personally, I was like, until I was alone. Until I didn't have a social element in music where it was me alone in a room. I didn't have niggas to go, check this shit out, yeah. check this shit out. That's when I started. You are able to, to express yourself. Yeah, that's when I was like, oh, I wanna do this, I wanna. And that's part of the reconnection process because <laughs> I feel like, like, you remember Nate, Nathan yeah. Thornton, Schmees? That's probably the same. R.I.P.
0: Right? R.I.P. Bro. Yeah, He's the only one dog. He gave me a disc, That wheelchair shit. And it literally. I want to. I'm, I'm always exaggerating my numbers. But it had like 10 discs in it. Like that yeah. seven yeah. diss. Yeah. It was a fucking yeah. book with like a million yeah. songs. Yeah. I like,
2: damn. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And you did like 99. <laughs> 99 fucking Because he just would right? steal all my beats and rap on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. He, I'd, I'd push it Come out. Up. And he'd be like. Oh yeah. I put some on that beat too. I put some on that beat too. He's coming like, up on all your shit. Oh, <laughs> That's why I got a triple disc. That's half my shit. But uh, that nigga was my main musical acolyte. You know what I mean? Like mm. everything I did. Check this out. Check this out. Check this. He was His your go-to. Influence. So like that was the loudest voice. Like don't fucking sing. I'm tired of singing. Where the bars at? Where the uh. bars at? But what's ill is that basically the whole studio I got right now, he had bought it right before he passed. Oh. And... I was gonna help him with his album and then I was gonna be able to do mine. And he passed. And then his mom, after a while, she gave me the studio. But I remember I would go up and try to record in that room that he passed in uh-huh. for the studio. He fell he died in that room. Oh man. And I try to oh, go up and record there. And I remember even though he's dead i'm like i got to rap for this nigga bro right you, know you can't what sing, I, mean? yeah, I can't this nigga dead bro you know what i mean and so like that was mad liberating though when i find, so i had so finally i took it out of his space and mm-hmm. brought it home and i remember i was working on that macaroni song okay and i was singing it and then when it drops there was a verse and i just kept trying to fit rap verses in there and i showed it to my my friend morgan who's on the album too she talks on the album mm-hmm. and she was like yo this sound like two songs and I was like, pow. Why, why sound like two songs? Because why are you rapping, bro? Like, just. And same then the after shit off that. Same way. Touch. Changed my whole shit up. Damn. And that was a re- major reconnection point for me. You know I mean? Hey,
0: how'd you actually end up meeting him? How'd you guys connect? Did you guys they, go to high school? Yeah.
3: Back in, there was a spot we all used to kick out after high school uh, in college called 1520 Holly. It was the homies crib. Mm-hmm. fucking.
0: Like the Ogden house,
3: no? Low-key. It was a crib. Yeah, like the Ogden house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my homies Pat, Gora, Nico, a lot of people lived there, but we all used to go kick there. And they used to throw these sweater and eggnog parties (laughs) at Christmas. all right. And that's how I met him. I was 18. He was 18, and I was like... I remember I was like, yo, what's your name? Blah, blah, blah. I get to talking, and I was that's so when I was mad brash. I was like, I'm the train out of Denver. Hop on. <laughs> <laughs> I told
2: that
3: nigga that. That's again. hilarious. But that impressed him, you know what I mean? And we just became best friends after that.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, that's dope, man. You know what I mean? Because I, I remember looking at that, I remember him telling me, like, was yeah, produced everything. I was like, Just three discs, bro. like, <laughs> I was like
3: for real? Was, wow. I mean, I, I'll tell you something about reconnecting. He was a major part, too, because I remember. I was living in L.A., you know, mm-hmm. and then when I came home, because basically everything fell apart, I was really off the music shit, and I needed bread bad though. And he was like, oh, you need bread? Make me beats. Exactly, yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, fuck. But that's how I got back mm-hmm. into making beats, because I needed that bag. You know what I mean? And so, like, but I knew he knew what he was doing. You yeah, know he you had mean? a big plan. Yeah, and I think that's why he bought the studio. That's why, because even if he didn't love... The direction I was going in, which I had been going in for a long time, he was still supporting. You know what right. I mean? And he he would rather me do that than not do nothing. You know? Right, right. So like even with this album, like you know the whole album is singing, the whole album is you no know, bars or whatever, but it's still dedicated to him because I couldn't have done it without him.
2: He gave oh, me yeah. the studio.
3: You know what I mean? And he just, you know, it's been like almost four years, five years. Just like I time be flying, bro. Every day I think about it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I just be like. Like even the bio to the album on Apple and Spotify is a letter to him, mm-hmm. like apologizing about the fact that I took your studio and I made this album with no bars, but thank you, I love you, I apologize, please forgive me, you know what I mean? You're funny, fool. Because like, no. it's weird how that work, how like even though trying. a nigga's not around, you factor them into your decisions yeah. you, know I mean? you want to do right by it
0: it's like pimp talking to Pac bro you know, you know what, what I mean? mean looking at the fucking I do the same I got a little fucking Tupac shit some full semi from Europe sometimes I'll be sitting there like man what would you do bro <laughs> Like you yeah. say fuck those bitches, and no, I'm just like. <laughs> For
3: real,
2: and
3: hey, you like even like I find myself laughing like Schmitz, like he used to go like. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, do that uh, little beefs uh, and butter, and, uh. and now I do that like on my own, not trying to bite him, like literally, right? right. I, it's, I in, it's in me, you know what I mean? And so
1: yeah, you spend I, enough time with somebody, you pick up. And, but and I didn't do it until after he passed. Right. I, didn't, uh, yeah. uh, uh,
3: <laughs> I be doing that It's so funny <laughs> though. I be like, and I hear it and I be like, damn, there he is. Right. You know what I mean? That Coming back. back. He's uh, looking out for you, bro. Bro, I love that dude so much. You know what I mean? And I think part of this whole process was like, okay, man, I got to do this, bro. You're not around no more. You know what I mean? I got to do it, bro. And that's like, a, just just be happy for you. Give me your blessing from up there or wherever. You
0: know for I mean? real. I need yeah. that. And he stayed right down the block. I wanna say like right there on like Detroit, like in Koufax, I remember. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He was
3: all in the hood, bro. He was like he would lived across the street from where I live now. He lived across the street from mad places where I lived. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh Nate used to have an apartment there. Oh Nate used to have an apartment there.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Let me ask you about Life Crew though. How did you hook up with Life Crew? Um, How did all that happen?
3: Well, you know Deckers. Yeah. You know, I've known Decas'. since he was in third grade. I was in fourth grade. All right, because y'all both from Park Sacrament. Hill. Yeah. All right. so So, um, we weren't super close in middle school or in high school, but near the end of high school, when I started to get super duper into hip hop, really. At East in Park Hill it was, it was Decca, Ichiban. Right. They were knee deep in it, already doing graph, all that shit. So you know, if you're gonna get involved and you from Park Hill, you're gonna have to deal with them. You know what I mean? So. At that point it was like I definitely reached out or we just started crossing paths, freestyling all the time, and then me and Decca especially just clicked up. Right. And so then Dekka at some point met Maine, and he just kept telling him, he was like, Yo, I've been fucking with these dudes, blah, blah blah. You gotta come meet him, blah blah blah. And then when I did eventually meet him, um, we you know we clicked up and they were like, Yeah, you gotta join you know, you gotta be you should be part of life crew or whatever. But right. Life Crew was storied. You know what I mean? They had been around because they were part graph. Right. You know what I mean? They're like a hip hop.
0: They're like, I want to say, like probably the original hip hop crew in Denver.
1: Like well, okay. everyone. an in
3: institution. I mean, as far as actually getting into music too because yeah. I feel like other crews yeah. were strictly graph. And like
1: really doing it though, like mm-hmm. even like having dope shows and parties mm-hmm. and events and mm-hmm. like really cool mm-hmm. shit popping, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. just like other fools were like, all right, we're going to throw a party at my grandma's crib and like whatever. You know what I mean? It yeah. was like, dope sp- i remember being going to like revoluciones and like you all these places back in the day yep. it was like yo there was a whole event they had like it wasn't that someone's fucking in someone's backyard
3: it was remember ideal ideologies yeah that was main and and theme yep. and they had this uh, pucker up buttercup i remember <laughs> <that>. <laughs> me and nate they nate, nate was on up on them and right. he was like keep this and he, i love it when that nigga say pucker up buttercup all this yeah you know i mean so it was definitely some shit where it was like uh, I'd heard of them, Mm -hmm. and I think really the entirety of my community with hip-hop had been the people I'd grown up with. But that was the first group of people who weren't people I'd grown up with. Right, outside,
0: yeah. They were from another
3: part of the town, and they, like, welcomed me with open arms. And I remember very quickly, then she started cracking. We was in Westward. Uh You know what I mean? They. I remember the film the,
0: mode shit at the Bluebird. Film
3: mode. Yeah, I was just about to say yeah. that. Yeah, that was, that was the shit. That was the shit. That, that was, was a legendary moment because we packed out the Bluebird. You know what I mean? Yep. I remember that. I remember I remember even people from the hood from Park Hill had come in. They were like,
2: damn, you big time now. And Would I you say there was so people from
3: every hood? Everywhere, yes. every hood that showed up for that shit. Yes.
1: Yes. That was the coolest part of it. And because it was the only place you've seen people come from every hood and people weren't not only were they not hating on each other they were like what up more mm-hmm. like oh you're so-and-so mm-hmm. like it was a whole different vibe it was hip-hop it wasn't hood shit where like, was not graffiti wasn't rap it was everything right it wasn't neither. it was both and and notoriously prior to that it was always like some hood some gang shit some if gang, that, if some that fighting, kind yeah. of shit went down Fuck yeah. it was like we're gonna fight after or before or whatever and that was a whole different that vibe. was the
3: thing i'm yeah so it was like that was that one of those first Integrations across town, right? Groups, crews. You know That's
0: I mean? kind of one of the first things that I Definitely. went to. Really, I remember like mm-hmm. real early, like starting to get into things, and it was like right down the block from where I, I still lived on Detroit. Was that? You know what I mean? It had to be like
3: oh one oh two, bro. Yeah, yeah. like that. Uh, oh, 04, oh, maybe. Nah, yeah. no, I
0: was like oh I two. Say, oh, oh, three. I would say oh, 04, maybe oh three. Maybe oh,
3: I don't know. I don't know if that album came out yet. The one you talked about. Right, right, right. I think right, right. it might have, actually. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It was just such a primordial time. I don't think time. so.
1: Because it was, for me, that was a whole different, that was film mode was, you know, yeah. that. that one, but think, that was, that was, was the life group thing. Yeah. Like,
0: I was working at AT&T back then. That was a long fucking time ago. Yeah, like, no, I was uh, in high school.
3: I actually listened to those songs, too, the I, I that fuck a do you yeah. have that that life crew compilation? oh i do
0: not have that one I listened that was to what some i was of trying joints. to hear from you uh, i was just telling you no about. no you
3: know Bob, blackboard jungle was on deck album but that shit had some joints like for instance like posse cuts some kind of like it was a, it was like a life crew sampler but i had two songs on there one was called the beast and that was called slow down that were like it was after that album but it was like the first time i was doing songs that weren't like crazy multi-part epics it was just right. like a beat and t- First time I was singing on Hooks, too. <laughs> was oh, that no song? Shit. Yeah, The Beast. I remember on that live Crew compilation. And them niggas was cool about that shit, but I even remember, like, back then, I remember, like, for this joke, was like, what is this singing shit, bro? This beat is way too hard for you to be doing that. So, like, even then, it was just, <laughs> oh, like, shit. that cacophony. But that was definitely... I give it up to Maine because I feel like he was really the center, the linchpin yep. of that cultural community right. yeah. thing that sort of, like, bridge the gap between the really primitive periods of Denver hip hop of like what we talking about when everything was just very provincial and crew like and shit to right. where there were these uh get togethers and celebrations like because after that then you start to see shit like Colorado Crush and, Right. right, right. yeah you know i mean all that type but shit but yeah you're right Maine did do Main,
1: he yeah. he really made the scene
3: yes uh uh, uh
1: come together it was it was a whole different vibe it became a different vibe in hip hop and in denver and what Cats were doing, and I really—I gotta give it to him. Give too, it to you know? him. Yeah. And
0: even like on our level, we did the same shit. Yeah. By introducing Jewel, Time, and Foe. That's yeah, what them, you did. Yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah. Horse, you was all that dude right, shit, right. like you know who saying?
3: was really bridging the towns in terms of like Aurora and Denver. You was bridging Montbello and Denver. And Hood Cats though. And too hood Cats were which-
1: like never doing shit with Dude. any of these other cats too. Yes, that's yes. one of my
3: claim to fame
0: is <sighs> yeah. with the B-Black Decca mixtape that me and Sam did like 10 tracks. That shit took forever to get done. Yeah, <laughs> I was supposed to be like the third mixtape or whatever, yeah. fourth one, yeah. ended up being like the eighth because Deck it was hard to get a hold of sometimes, but I mean that shit when you listen to it it's like some different shit, bro. But that's
3: what I say. You was even doing that. You had a you had a studio in your crib, you was making rappers come through, make tapes just to canonical you know what I mean, like this is the this is the city, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you treated it like it was important.
0: Like I, said, I remember me right. and you had like when sessions. nobody
3: else you. was, and like everyone, nobody else, else did. Everyone else was like, "This is what you doing now." This isn't
1: important. This isn't tight. This is a national. Fuck oh, no. Like, like, and every, that's everybody else's feeling. And you, you know, gave real. it, you gave it a real feel and a real importance. And there was other people that felt that way too, but you documented it. That's you why held it. It was important
3: know? to me to do this right. first. You know what I mean? Like, cause I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna do hella podcasts and yeah. shit. But like. To me, it was. I was always like in the back of my brain. When I come back, I'ma hit Joe first. I appreciate that. Because, to me, like you, the first dude I remember who wasn't an active participant in terms of like you're not a rapper, right? You're not, but you you document it and you care. You Mm -hmm. care as if you was a rapper. You care as if you was an artist. You was bringing people together to where like, bro, your collection of between all that and this Mm. is gonna be one of the definitive Denver hip hop. Thing, you know what I mean right. like, like when it's people be, be like
1: historian
3: yeah, yeah, story, you know what I'm saying like long after you pass bro you know what I mean like, like yeah. and I think that that's like to me if if I'm going to treat my work like it's important uh-huh. I got to treat the community I came from like important I got to treat our oracles our recipients right. our our journalists our community our cult. I got to prioritize them first because I think the reality is like your work reminded me what I was doing was important Right. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. like, it don't even really matter if it's like a million people watch it or a thousand people because this is going to last forever. Right. These conversations that we have and those tapes you made. They still, yeah. They they, And the you, like shit you we're say, watching right here, like, 10 15
1: relevant years ago. Yeah. And staying relevant, too. Cody you know? Beastly. Yes, Cody
2: Beastly. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Rome, you know? Yeah.
1: Damn. But even new shit, you know, staying with, with what's moving and <sighs> what's trending, what's popping in Denver. Because soon, that'll be the next, you know, this what yeah, was still doing at that it. time. Yeah. yeah, you're still so doing it. It's, it's, you know, it's you know, we really take breaks dope.
0: every once in a while, but we come back if we're, if, if, you I feel, know, I feel like hip-hop's my life, bro. Yeah. I was fucking, yeah. I've been a little shorty, yeah. you know.
1: Like you, you were doing it too before there was all this, like, access yeah. to podcasts and all this if, kind of if shit. If you look yeah. at the
0: DVDs when and we're doing interviews, I do an interview with you was on that smack shit. You was like, you was
3: smack. You was on that You
0: podcasts. You was making backstage.
3: You know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean. In our city. You that guy. Right. You know what I mean? And I feel like that particular thing you talking about about bridging hip hop or like the the shit that was like whatever, backpacker shit and street shit. Right. That's really you. Like I remember you introduced Foe to Decca, Right. And Leslie, that's how I met Foe. And that's how right. I so you know what that's I mean? Because wild. and I remember he was so supportive. That's
1: crazy.
3: Like, I remember that song Baba. But second time around that Decker joint, yep. He was on the video You know what I mean He was hype And I was shocked Because I was like oh, I I've thought for sure Niggas from across town Would not fuck with the vibe Right You know what I mean But everybody loved Decker Everybody was like, "Yo, nah, Decca, yeah, dude, the first nice. time I met Decca, oh, yeah, bro, bro, it's like,
0: I met him after a party at the Snake Pit, someone's crib, and they were just freestyle. Remember, there were some little hot betties there. The Francois sisters, shout out, you know, Dana and Christina. You know what I mean? I know they still looking good as <laughs> fuck. <laughs> shout out. Yeah.
2: But anyway,
3: that,
0: yeah, he was up there freestyling. He's killed it, bro. And it's funny because like, he had left, and I approached Inkline." And fucking, I was like, hey, who's that? You know, and he told me, oh, it's this full dick. I was like, damn, that fool's tight. And I kind of gave him my little spiel. I got this mixtape shit you know, I'm trying to do. And, and I was like, you know, tell him to hit me up. Here's my number. And, like, I ended up meeting, and running the deck probably, like, three months later. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we end up connecting. But, yeah, man, right off the bat, like, I noticed him. And I was like, damn, that fool's killing it. And he's yeah, just fucking dude, around. Man.
3: You know what I mean? I would say, in my opinion, as far as pure rappers that I know, and I've grown up with Like I gotta give it up I think he's the best You know what I mean Like In terms of like That natural gift And ability To just rap You know what I mean Yeah Like obviously he's dope at everything But what I'm saying Is like Some people are just blessed You know what I mean And he's like One of them type rappers He has that. it Yeah that's why He go and to once New you York start, Once yeah. you start
0: polishing it up yeah, you know
3: and, what I mean? That's the thing bro, about
1: he's, he's. I mean, I've said it since the beginning. You can go check the first podcast we did. I think I said it. He's he's my favorite MC. I think from Denver. You know, he's that's. <laughs>
3: I mean, bro. Let me tell you something. I'm online. I'm in a group that's it's called Decalogue They're like, it's a Deca fan club. Basically. Right. And the
2: thing that <laughs> strikes <laughs> me It's yeah. Yeah. a fan club. Oh, and, yeah. and the thing that
3: strikes me is everybody in there's like this nigga saved my life. Like they don't say that word, but yeah. they be like, but "That could save my life. No, yeah, that could yeah. save my life." Like his music saved my life. That's the recurring theme, yeah. and yeah. that shit is so powerful to me because that's the type of shit right. I want to do. And he's already—he's right.
1: already—he's just a dope MC. But like, if you resonate with what he says, you're definitely feeling it's that shit. It's like healing music. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's
3: healing yeah. music. Like he talks—he don't talk about just the degradation. He talks about the reconstruction. He All talks right. about how you get through. He talks about, mm-hmm. and, and he sounds better for it. Like, a lot of people talk about the good old days of their, their uh, you know, wild days, their fucking his days. Like, that was the best shit. But mm-hmm. he talks about it like, I made it through, and he sounds better now. You hear right, him that Right, and it's
2: right. like.
3: I wanna be like him. I don't wanna be like these motherfuckers who's talking like I'm high, I'm high. He's like, I used to be high. I mean I'm straight now. You know what I mean? And right. it just sounds And so even good. the way
1: he said it when he was high. Like the way <laughs> yeah. he said oh, yeah.
3: high. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like, oh, don't get me wrong. He's so good. The bail, yeah.
1: like all his shit was just so proper, you know what I mean? All the way to, to now and the shit he's doing now is he's he's stayed dope and but he's changed and it's all changed
3: well i think that's the thing that happened with the hedonists is like i remember his first album was called top of the line bottom feeder and that was we were all living at this house and i had the npc and i was making beats and he was like interested and he was like well i want to i want to make beats. teach me how to make beats or whatever so i showed him how to use the right but then he he has this incredible ear like one of the things about making beats from samples is you find disparate samples and match the pitches. You can hear all oh, these go together, these notes, these match. I was never really good at that. I had a good for sonic qualities. Like this is a rough sound, a drum kid a right. But he had the notes. So he was a person to be like, this goes with that.
2: Like, mm. You
3: know what I mean? So even when I was teaching him, he was teaching me. Teaching so then him? when we went to the heat this, I remember after Top of Line Bottom Feeder, he was like, man, I'm kind of like, drifting. I don't know what I want. I was like, let's make another album for you. Let's start making so that was when I made that beat for second time around or whatever. Da right? da and that was the start of the album. But basically he would come over my crib every day we'd make beats and we'd have the turntable and shit and we would just me and him make the beats for this album together. And in that process, he was really learning how to use NBC and I was really learning his musicality. He was teaching me how to put samples together the pitches the notes and all that other shit to to the point where like in the middle of his album i got so excited i started
2: another one i was like yeah
3: you know but then after that he got his own npc <clears throat> and, and so that's making and, beats and that's the veil everything oh, we, after yeah, that he's self-produced too
1: mm-hmm. yeah you know self-produced I mean?
2: shit. Yeah. the gates all because that shit was
3: something about the nature of that making beats like that with vinyl and and the mpc he's That's his shit. He still do it like that. Like twenty fucking two thousand one or whatever, you know what I mean? But I've since moved on to different type of production techniques. But like I feel like in that process of him making the hedonist, he really crystallized his stuff. Right. You know what I mean? To where like he was off the races. Right. So I think part of it is like one of the things I most admire about him is his sense of self. Like there, for me there would be a lot of stuff going on culturally i'd be inspired i want to do some of this i want to do some of that i want to throw in these trap beats i want to do this i want to do that and he was always like nah this is what i do this is what i like and and you know as time changed it was harder to pinpoint what is like that true school shit that's fly you know what i mean right. you get into exile blue generationally it shifts it shifts he always had the needle nose to be like, oh, this is that new fly shit mm-hmm. of this strain of rap
1: of this, right? The evolution dude. of where right. what right. he was on. Shit.
3: So we're now we on? malcommy together, both of us love Malcolmie. You know who that is a mm-hmm. rapper. Yep. I don't, I don't.
2: You know yep. Yep. Yeah, Malcomi? yeah Malcomi. Yep. both our Hell favorite yeah. rappers yep. in the world.
3: Yep. Yep. But like, it's just cool because it's like, twenty years later. Here we are, we see eye to eye. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's finally a rapper because I think for so long it'd be like, I was more like a Wu-Tang guy. He's more like a tribe guy. Not yeah. that he didn't love Wu-Tang and not that I didn't love tribe, but you see what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, I, like a no of oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, there, and I feel like as time got more and more unkind to this strain of hip-hop that we grew up with and became much more infatuated with other stuff, It's it's there ended up being artists like Makami or whatever who just because they carried the spirit, they still got the spirit, but they pushing it a little bit forward, then now we're both like, oh, this is our favorite dude. Mm-hmm.
2: You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because it's not like mm-hmm. a bunch
3: of choices. Now there's not like nah. a Wu-Tang and a tribe. Right. It's not like Zelda, that. And yeah. that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like, There's like fucking Dump God, you know what I mean? A couple, Real like shit. that strain of shit. But like, and then there's
1: probably some really dope shit that you don't find because there's so much bullshit to filter through. Yeah, yeah, right, for sure, for sure. But there I feel is some like dope little, yeah, you know, underground do- cast. Oh are no, for sure, for murder. sure. But yeah, you're right
3: though. On on a, on a scale, on that scale. But also think about like that indie rap shit that like was popping at the time, like Aesop Rock, yeah, yeah, all that yeah. shit. Like, to me, he kind of the last one left, sort of. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. like he was influenced by that. But, like, his style has stood that test of time to where it's, like, those same kids who loved out Rock, who love, now they love Deccan. Right.
2: Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And, yep.
3: like, it's uncanny to me because it's not by design. It's not like he's, like, I'm, I'm those fans. He just does it, he bro.
0: He just does it. You know what
3: I mean? And From that's
0: all it. different, like, eras. Like, I remember, like, this was a while ago. It was, like, some 420 show mm-hmm. with him and Fast Forward. I'm like, there are these fools, like at least 20 fools that knew every word of every song he sung. And I'm just like,
2: uh, Damn, Bro, I went like. to a show the
3: other day. And I mean, like I said, I mean, they were rapping along to everything. And I think that's what I'm saying is it's like that process of self-discovery, I feel like he did it right. 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the process of self-discovery I've recently completed to where I make this record I just finished to where it's like, this is what I'm going to stand on. Because I feel like there's a lot of like... The difference, say, between somebody like him and somebody like me is that, like, that strong sense of self that he had, he it like, to me, I feel like so much stuff would occur that would excite me. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to interpolate this in my work. I want to interpolate this in my work. And not necessarily having that wherewithal to be like, this ain't it. You know, I love it, but I don't do it. Right. You know what I mean? If I loved it, I was going to try it you know and I feel like he was somebody who could, who could love something who could be like you know we was all on screw we was all on all type of shit but he was never trying to make screw music right. you know what I mean he was never screwing his shit you know what I mean I was screwing all type of shit
2: you see know what I'm mean? saying you see what I'm saying
3: here but I'm not saying I'm wrong or he's wrong mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is now I feel like the difference is I'm a lot more of like a, nah I don't do that like to where it's before like, Y'all yeah, could do that I could do anything <laughs> You know what I mean
0: He was more like On, on the path And keeping it Like keeping it On mm-hmm, the path mm-hmm, You know mm-hmm. what I mean Where you're more I was branch doing, out Share yeah, this and that yeah, And fucking You know yeah. what I mean
3: And I feel like That's what I'm saying Is like My Like for me Like when we get into My new record or Whatever it's like My relationship with music I feel like Through hip hop Is how I crystallize The way I make music The way But I was always Deeply infatuated with Other genres of music, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, good music
0: is good music, man.
3: But like, I feel like, particularly, like, say when I was like, in seventh grade, sixth grade, I wanted to an alternative rock band, you know what I mean? And then eventually you know I fresh yeah.
1: year. who were you listening to bro oh six, seven, seven, you know I think at
3: this point it was KS uh, what's that KDPI uh-huh. so it was Radio Rock so like anything like that was on the Radio back. Rock I was loving the Metallica you know Tool all that stuff I was like oh, the Deftones I was
0: gonna say some Green Day Ooh. their no, new shit was
2: terrible not me I'm not mad at you but not me that's not me my shit was a little darker I was
0: <laughs> their first one I remember the one with all the explosions <laughs> that's <laughs> college shit bro that's college I never yeah, that's what the girls like. You
1: know what I mean? So you roll with the girls.
3: Shit. Yeah, I didn't like the type of rock the girls. That shows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I'm saying, also yeah, you know, like yeah, like KBPI. No, rock. Rock. I, I got you, I got
1: Aggressive. you. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm, wrong, I'm listening
0: rock. to Iron Maiden and ACDC. I like black metal. Black metal, yeah. Judas Priest type of shit. Yeah. I like Some Motley crew, fucking. But I
3: feel like, I mean. So when we got into hip hop and shit like that, it was like I was always trying to put those influences in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like even that first that, album was right, like right. I was listening to Tool. Well, there so was, was like, people, <clears throat> and
1: there was other people trying to do that too, even kind of on a on a on a bigger scale. Like who did something with Metallica or Corn? Did something with somebody Rapping I
3: remember I remember Metallica Ja Rule Did a song together (laughs) Yeah bro So like Low time So like There was
1: already Kind of that little vibe Going at that time I don't know If it was the same I think
3: what, for me particularly it was Tool. I was obsessed with Tool well, around yeah, that bro. time and I was trying to like weird times signatures, excessive drumming. And there was no right. better drumming Trying though. to yeah. fit it in rap like a fucking weirdo. And it was cool. You <laughs> know what <laughs> I mean? I think it came trying together. Trying to circle in the square. Trying to put the circle yeah. in the square. <laughs> i yeah. make it work. Make uh, that shit. make, make it work. <laughs> make
1: that shit fit. And that's
3: what I think that's the thing is like, you know, it was always like in the crew, I was always the nigga, like, listening to all this weird shit, yeah. weird shit. Outside the box. And I feel like, in Denver, that helped, because this is a rock town. Yeah. You know I mean, that's why I was able to get a lot of light, or whatever, but I feel like, the difference now is, I would just make that music. I wouldn't feel like, I gotta fit that in rap, not goth rap. Right. be blah, blah, right. rap. Right. Just, just make that that's shit. and then you. make, And then make rap. You know what I mean? Like, so that's the only difference, I think, for me, is it's like, that bravery to just be like, I'm full scale making this complete other kind of music,
0: and that would mm. be Pirate Signal, right?
3: Well, I think the Pirate Signal was me trying to mix it with rap. Okay, you know what I mean. And I feel like now is the first time I'm like, with Yonah and this whole album favorite, you know what I mean. This is the first time I'm like, this is not rap. Right. This is my version of rock music. You know what
2: I mean. Mm. So when I listened
0: to it, I was definitely like. I was expecting rap. I was mm-hmm. definitely expecting some rap, and I was like, "This ain't got no rap in it." Mm-mm. You know what Mm-mm. I mean? Has, has the
3: full album dropped yet? No, it's not gonna come out till November 23rd. Oh, right? shit. I've seen 23rd. Yeah, yeah. I'm just working that single, that macaroni joint because yeah. I feel like I don't know, man. I, that was a special like, song for me. You know, that yeah. was like a real, like, like I said, a crystallizing moment of like, "Oh, this is what I want to do." You know, but also it was the moment where I, I kind of shed the notion that I had to fit rap.
2: Into right.
3: So, to me, it's like even what that song is about, it's just like it's, it's like a mantra. You look in the mirror and you tell yourself, you're, you're not an imposter. You're the truth. You know what I mean? Like somebody else telling you that. Just like, again, because when we talk about healing music, when we talk about stuff that's like good for people, mm-hmm. it's like if you're repeating these lyrics, how are they going to make you feel? Am I telling you you're a piece of shit? Am I telling you I'm better than you? Am I telling you I don't no money? Am I telling you you are special, you matter, you know what I mean? And like, at the same time, particularly like, the vibe, the whole thing with the label I started, Obliterator, is dream pop for black people Mm -hmm. in terms of rock music for black people, but also the ethos is like healing music for black people. I'm not gonna put lyrics in there that's degrading to my people in a sense to where it's like, if you repeat these lyrics, they will, They are affirmations. They are positive. And and not in a cheesy way or anything like that because I feel like I'm not... not, I listen to toxic music. I love toxic music. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? I'm not knocking toxic music. I'm just saying, I don't want to make it. I want to provide the antithesis or the alternative. You know? Yeah.
0: The good shit. I mean, it doesn't have to all be bad.
3: No, it doesn't. And that's what I mean. It's like... Sounds
1: liberating, honestly.
3: And that's the whole vibe. It's black liberation. The whole vibe is like uh, really about... Because it's a personal thing. Cause I feel like the revolution is first personal. Like you really gotta right. feel yourself. You, have
1: to you fucking gotta fix yourself. Yeah, it's all about
3: you. So this that album is this album is about me fixing myself right. before we turn the gaze outwards. But I think the reality is like there are so many systems of iniquity in the world. You talk about racism, homophobia, all this other But there are systems of inequity within us. Just How do we ourselves. ourselves. right, right. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and part of that is those behaviors. Like why do we harm ourselves with substances? Why do we harm ourselves with food? Why do we harm ourselves with relationships? All these other things right. that like even if the world around you were fixed, you would still be at war with yourself. Right. Exactly. Your own mind.
1: Right. But yeah. And how could you make a, a, a better world in, in an image that you can't even create for yourself, you know? It's it's, it's rough So that's what I was
3: doing those eight years.
1: You know what I mean? Damn. Like
3: that's what I was doing those eight that's years. That's real work. And that's the <laughs> thing about it, is like Music means a lot different to me now because I feel like... It's on your what, terms, right? It's on my terms, and that's when I talk about Decca. he was always doing it on his terms.
0: Always on his terms, yeah, you're right. right, right. That's what I'm right, saying. Right. He was I feel blessed always to have a always fucking... Doing,
3: always doing it on his terms yeah. to where like, now I know what my terms are. And, and part of it is like, I think there's a big delusion, a big capitalist scam with music to where stardom and the notion of stardom putrefies music. Because people believe that that's the validation. Mm-hmm. Like you can make something amazing and it makes you feel really good and you love it, but unless millions of other people right, love it right. too, it's not good, right. it's black, it's trash. Nah. You know what I mean? If that's your scale, you're fucked. Right. So I think there's a, a big thing about like, just having that relationship with your music and yourself first. And that really being the core of anything you build on. Right. And so like, I feel like for me, I was deluded in a lot of ways because I feel like I initially, when I made music, I didn't have this delusion. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be big. I was 16 years old. I was making beats. You know, street niggas was on. It was street shit. You know what I mean? I'm this weirdo dude. I was like, I'll never be up, but this is what I love. I'm going right. to do it. I'm going to do it. And then as we kept doing shit, the Pirate Signal, you know, whatever, people in the time like, y'all are going to blow up. Y'all are going to blow up. Y'all are going to blow up. And this infected my mind to where it's like, it, it went from being this thing where it's like, I'm doing this because I love it despite knowing that it's perhaps not commercially. Viable or whatever to now because other people may have potentially seen some commercial viability in it. Now it's my concern. Now I got to be concerned about making this mm. more commercially. Now mm. I'm trying to make records that right. for other people for that other I people. don't have no emotional connection to anymore. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, I mean, and it, that happens sometimes with the drugs, that's mm. happened simultaneously with people giving you substances' that's what we're just kind of talking in.
0: about just so you know yeah. what I mean feeding into it feeding like the into
3: it and so you just helping them out really right. lose your connection you're like what am I doing this for you don't even know and that's what I'm saying is it's like for me I didn't really figure that out until I was 38 years old in terms of like I don't really feel like somebody could come in now and infect my relationship with music. Right, maybe it's because I'm recently turned forty, or maybe it's just more because of that process. Because I don't believe his age. Right. Yeah, I had that process twenty fucking years ago, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying?
1: And right, but but you like you said though, there's neither of you were wrong in it. You no. gained so much doing yeah. it your your way and being down with so much more and openness. You know. It, Whereas, like, yeah, Dekka got to hone in on exactly what his his mission and his goal was, but you had a wide array of, and that's why yeah. you're not even doing no hip-hop now. no regrets yeah. now you're not even <laughs> doing hip-hop now. Yeah. And gets, that's what I'm no, saying. I just, cool.
3: I, if I have any regrets it's that, <laughs> it's that I didn't do this process sooner, that I didn't just say, right. fuck everyone. This. Way. I'm going to do me. Niggas all had right. to die. My best friend had to die for me to do this. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Like, like. I had to get isolated because for whatever reason, I did not have this sense of self, sense of strength, internal fortitude, whatever, Mm -hmm. to make these decisions in the presence of these other people. Now, one of the things I say is different, say, between me and Deca is like, and this is where you get into the complicated nature of race and, and music and stuff, but I feel like it's a lot less weird for a white person to make rap music than it is for a black person to make rock music. <laughs> it is way more of a juxtaposition. So my inclination to make rap or to fit this stuff in a rap seriously. <laughs> I didn't seriously. even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, my bro, inclination to fit even... this stuff in the rap is cause the world is telling me, bro, you package it like rock, it's not gonna go. Right. It's definitely right. not gonna go. You definitely got to somehow make this weird tool based shit you obsessed with into rap music as a black man in America or it's not gonna go. And I heard that loud and clear, I heard that message. And, and, and something we gotta be really clear with is when the code word for, for the hard R in modern society is rapper. So if somebody's like, yo, I make blankety blank rap, that the code word for black, even if you're white people, that's the code word for black. So where it's like, mm-hmm. as a black person, you like, if I don't include that element, Mm-hmm. I'm really, I'm screwed, you know what I'm saying? So like you, you have this thought in your brain of like, all right, concession, compromise, okay. Boom, I'm already in the hole. I'm already down, cause I'm already, yeah, you're already... in misalignment right. with what I wanted to do to where it's like, I see it in the world now, I see like Willow Smith. I mean, obviously there was so much that occurred in that time, like because when I did Black Hearts and all this other stuff, talk about goth rap and stuff, little pete you know a little uzi vert yeah. stuff. wang you know what i mean right. that started to occur but like as far as actually seeing black people making rock music in 2022 i can think of a bunch of people who are doing it i can think of willow smith who's like commercial hmm And that's Will Smith's fucking daughter. Right. You know what I mean? Right. If you gotta be Will Smith's daughter to yeah. make rock music and be black and successful. That's what I was talking about. Steve Lacey. Is Steve Lacey somebody else who's like he's playing because like even the context of watching a black man step on stage and play his guitar to a roving crowd of teenagers? <laughs> idiosyncratic. You would never seen that in your life. Right. I blew me away watching that because it's not it's not a nigga singing, it's not a nigga rapping, it's a nigga playing his guitar. What is this 67? you know what i mean like is this jimi hendrix is this is because that but that's 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 the that's like a little bit of what we talk about when i talk about black liberation this is like as a black person you always have to factor in your blackness into everything you go to the grocery store you go anywhere Mm -hmm. so you want to make music you have to factor in your blackness who, how do they go Especially
1: by? if you're making rock music.
3: Especially if you're making rock I mean, yeah, exactly. you got to be like, how like stratify Country
1: music it. type. Yeah, it's like... If
3: I'm making country right, music. Right. Maybe, yeah, but right. if you're a white person, you can do anything.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what no, I mean?
1: you're absolutely right. So and, think, and actually get, get more recognition for it. Like, there's cats that are burning all these little white rappers out here and they're just not getting no recognition because I mean, they're not white rappers. And, and we talk I, about that... I, I don't dislike... White rappers, mm-hmm. like I'm, I, I don't i do not have, like I said, Decca is one of my favorites from Denver. No, but, bro, it's a whole different fucking life. It's, it's a different a thing. I it's think a, here's the reality situation:
3: game. is that white people in America and white people in the world can enjoy a song from a black artist, can enjoy music, but they need a white artist to identify with. Right. They need an Eminem. Right. They can enjoy Fifty Cent. They can enjoy snoop dog they can enjoy dr great but they need an eminem right. <clears throat> they need a jack harlow Yep. and that's that's the deep integration of white supremacy it validates inside the culture of, for them it validates because not even there. it's not it otherwise uh, yes even, yeah. but i feel like think about this as, on the flip side as, as say a black person if you love rock music mm-hmm. you're not going to wait until there's a black rock star to like rock music you never you never like rock. You, you just got like to learn to love Well, art.
1: also made that shit up too. So. Yeah.
3: I mean, let's not even idea. Yeah. <laughs> the colonized but, nature but it's of been rock But no, music. but it's the same fucking thing. And that was the Fear With Rap too with it's Eminem. The same that was the thing, thing. was like, "Oh, are they about to do this again?" About to do this shit again. They about to do this shit again, but I think the difference is like the sauce comes from. You can't get yeah. The sauce comes you can't, from. Get, yeah. The sauce you comes
1: can't from. get it. Yeah. Uh, Eminem don't make the sauce. And you see where it comes from. Yeah. You see where the sauce comes from. Now we're way more held way more accountable. We got social media. We got all the shit that shows, like, ah, so-and-so was doing that first. You can't just be mm-hmm, taking that shit. Mm-hmm, Elvis. Mm-hmm, it's like, I'm just playing.
3: Say, no, no, for real. It's the real shit. Yeah, bro. you can't have an Elvis moment in 2022, though. You can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. But no I more. think that that's... But what I'm saying. is like the social elements sort of backing me up to where it's like... When I say... When I talk about <laughs> the regerts or whatever, right. it's like... Even though it's still a little bit like going against the grain right now. I do have some wind in my sails with no. society a large. Like I see I see a social shift, I see a Steve Lacey, I see, see Willow Smith, I see a cultural movement that's-
0: See, something I, happening.
3: I see something, and that gives me a little bit more bravery to where it's like, because if you really are operating in a vacuum, you kind of have to say to yourself, this could never happen and I could live in obscurity and you gotta be okay with that. And I don't necessarily know that's something I'm, you know what I mean, that I'm totally okay with Like, Mm. I'm just gonna toil in obscurity forever, no one's ever gonna get it. No, that's not what I want, you know what I mean? I want the people to fill it or whatever. So I think that there's a a nature like, is there a social, I guess the best way to put it is, is there a cultural movement aligning with my own views and values, you know what I'm saying? Because if that's occurring, then we gotta move it. Then, then I'm not alone Well
1: I, th- I think I think really This is just my opinion I, don't, I think it don't Don't matter really Cause you're, there's so Few people actually Doing it that have A platform that you already That, that Like you have already mm-hmm. They don't Not as many people Starting off doing What you're doing right now mm-hmm they don't have that same back, you have a background already that you, you did this other thing. you did it He has a whole different hard. identity. And, yeah. and yeah. So now re, almost like rebranding. But it aligns. It's almost it rebranded. It you is. gotta rebrand that shit, yeah, like we talked about earlier. the same you. It's the still same me. you. It's still me. But rebranding of it, I mean, I think that, that sets it aside even, like it uh, puts it up on a whole nother, like yo, you're starting with an already dope artist. You're not starting with like awesome oh, kid that came out of art school and fucking knows how yeah, to play a guitar no, I feel, I, and, I, and whatever, you know.
3: I mean, I think one of the things too that's different about what I'm doing is like, I'm very clearly saying when I say dream pop for Black people, dream pop is a genre of rock. It's a subgenre of rock that's kind right. of made famous by this band. There are a couple of bands that are kind of obscure. One is called Cocteau Twins. They're kind of were they were really Prince loved them. Um, the Cure loved them. They were they were big in the 80s, but okay. kind of it. But the term dream pop was coined by this black band called A.R. Kane, who, again, obscurity. Right. You never heard of them. Right. So to me, it was like the kind of music it is, which is this is really soft, beautiful stuff. The vibes, you hear my shit, but I was like, I'm not making. One of the things that you get taught as a black artist is if you're not making black music in the veins that black people know it is, you will be doomed to be only liked by weird white people. If you're an obscure black artist, your audience will be white people. But that's a scam. (laughs) Your audience is other black people. You're just deluded into thinking that. So what I'm saying is I'm making this music for other black people like me. I'm not like, hopefully hipsters like it. Hopefully pitch for it. Fuck them. Fuck the white gays. This is for other black people like me Mm -hmm. who need a wider lane. And it's like the notion of making music for only black people is like, what? That's, you're gonna be underground forever. Okay then, then I don't give then a fuck. That's buck. what it is. Right. You know what I mean,
1: right. But if a movement happens to align with those same values and what you're and doing, I believe it
2: will.
3: Then
1: that's then then that's a super dope bonus. But that's it's so much. It means so much more that that's not the drive behind it. And that's it. what we talking about with that, people like, make stand. their music with that drive.
3: Yes, you know, I stand on my shit, yeah, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what we talking about with like like Decca and all them. It's like <laughs> this is a decision. I feel like. Artists like him made 20 years ago right. that I'm making now, right. and the stakes are different. I'm not saying it's the same. I'm just saying that notion of like, okay, come hell or high water, I'm doing this. You know what I mean? This how I'm gonna move, and and I think that was uh, scary for me because it's like the people I do know, the the I don't know how they're gonna react. You know what I mean? I didn't know how you was gonna feel about the music. I didn't know. Yeah. I And mean, it's like everybody might hate it. Am I gonna be at peace with myself? and a war with the world, you know what I mean? Or vice versa. right? And I, I'd much rather choose the former.
0: Right. For sure, for sure. And I wanted to ask you earlier, um, cause we were talking about like being in Denver and people catering and all that shit, what comes along with all that shit. You had to be a fucking rock star when you're in LA. Because you're talented And you know what I mean And you're fucking making moves What was that shit like Was it Was it a whole different monster Like Or was it just super amped up
3: uh, ha, ha, ha. You know In LA It was my Pronounced Active addiction When I was the most But In a lot of ways LA is Disneyland For drug addicts It's very normalized all right, all right, You know what I right. mean Like my, The guy Who Leased me my apartment Was my drug dealer you see what I'm saying? Like that's how mm. integrated it is to where it's like
1: There's a really dope scene behind <clears>
3: throat> <the> throat> drug use. Well, I just think part of it was like, so I kinda was bankrolled and I I was like, I'm just gonna wild out. You know what I mean? I got mm. so like I was out in the scene, I was making friends, I was doing a lot of shit, but I was also getting Higher and higher and higher, and getting introduced to scarier and scarier drugs and normalizing them at the same time. Right. To where that's what really dissipated was like, I'm not going to bankroll this no more. Like, you you wilding out doing hella drugs. You done, you done made 800 beats and no songs. No. You know what I mean? Like, what's popping, bro? I'm not bankrolling this <laughs> shit no more. And no songs, bro. Nah, bro. I'm going to tell you this album, I said it to me eight years. I have literally made thousands, thousands of pieces of music. To right. get these eight songs And part of it was just like You be spinning your wheels You be on, high on this High on that You think you're making Some banging shit mm-hmm. You're spinning your fucking wheels You know what I mean and and It's not It's not It's not None of it None of it's usable I got, it. I got it all. Shit. all that. I, <laughs> so, I remember never
0: shit. flying through the crib there in downtown L.A. and you were making beats.
3: You, you know? were there? See, yeah. I don't remember
2: so that how high shit. I was. <laughs> no. I didn't yeah. The nigga
3: uh. came out. Nah, you know what, though? <laughs> so, yeah, so I would basically be in the house all day making beats, getting high as fuck, and then we'd go out at night, and i go make friends and shit like that. But I feel like at first, when I first got there, I was networking, glad-handed, and we would, you know what I mean? And, and then it like, kind of just turned into like, too much. Yeah. Eventually, I'm just nerding out and then like we'd go to like very lame back alley strip clubs it was not in that back alley strip clubs bro, bro. <laughs> you, remember well. you remember concept you remember concept Concept is a uh, he's a he's a strip monger. That right he's yeah. a stripper he monger. Actually, he's on the. Yeah. Oh, wait, where's he at?
0: Him and, him and Lorenzo.
3: That nigga would go <laughs> to strip clubs for the food, bro. you know what I mean, like it's, he just
0: chill. It's funny, dog, because he did take us to a strip fun? club. Yes.
2: <laughs> he, yeah. he took us to
0: a strip club in East Los Angeles, oh, fool. And there were like lowriders in the parking lot, <laughs> and they are badass bitches, and the, you could tell they're baller fools. Like there was. Yeah, nah, nah.
3: That's that's what I would do, cause like. I mean, shout out to him, bro. Like, unfortunately, you know, drugs broke us up or whatever, me and old dude. But, like, when I got to LA, he was already there. That was right. the first dude I called, and he was, she pulled up on me, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? But at the same time, he was deeply entrenched in the negativity and darkness as well. So it was, right. it was a marriage of negativity. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then he could be lived together, But it was just sick. Like, I didn't even get out of toxicity until I completely stopped kicking it with all those people, you know what I mean? And got away, and then I was like, I gotta go to Ria.
2: Right. <laughs> you know
3: what I mean? Like, yeah. But if I'd have been kicking it,
2: who knows, bro?
0: Hey, can yeah. you talk about what we talked about earlier, the show that you guys got booked for that was in a hood that you didn't know that you thought oh. was some other place? And didn't concept actually kind of come?
3: Yes, that was Did a wild time. That? Okay, so this is the Pirate Signal and we were on a tour and that was i remember foe was was like doing uh vocals with me there was this dj named dj soup and there was shay and so and 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 shay was like the guitarist she's this young chick and All soup, right, i remember them niggas are soft bro them niggas <laughs> they wanted no parts so i bet we thought the show was in huntington beach right but the show was in huntington, huntington park, park. And Huntington Park not is not the Beach. Jetto. It is the, the Jetto. Jetto. Okay, so the thing was, we went to this joint, oh, right? Fuck. And for some reason, I guess concept, as you can see, I mean, he's called by Mikey now, but he's covered in these tattoos. Apparently, they were the wrong tattoos for the neighborhood we were in.
0: Oh, so, shit.
3: So he was like, Yo, they telling me we got problems, and I'm like, bro, we playing this show. You need to bash this shit up. Right. Somehow, there was some sort of gang truce initiated just so he could chill. And we could play this show to five people, but I'll never forget this shit. Right? The niggas, soup so had five this shit. Yeah, five hood ass
1: niggas too. Oh, shit.
3: And the DJ set up. <laughs> <laughs> the DJ set up was soup, and so they was like, soup gotta play music all day. This nigga, all he had was Macklemore's beats. I shit you not, because a week earlier, he had to DJ for Macklemore. We opened up for Macklemore. Macklemore didn't have a DJ. He was like, will you play my shit for me? So the only music this nigga had was Macklemore's instrumentals. I'm talking about Red Hot Chili Pepper samples. Like, this nigga dropping beats with Red Hot Chili Pepper samples and no bass in the hood. I was like, we gon' die, (laughs) y'all. And then the Pirate Signal music... You know, it go hard, but it's definitely not for street niggas from Huntington Park or whatever. But I remember that. <laughs> I remember there was a song where one of them was like, Eastside, throw your hands whatever. That was the lyrics in that <laughs> I was like, don't say that <laughs> Cut
2: this shit. I was saying- don't fucking and say that And I did it. Part.
3: I did it anyway. And then I was like, bro, I can't believe you said that Eastside shit. And I was like, but... It was cool. I mean, I think that was a community <laughs> event, you know. Yeah. So like, like, Denver and
1: fucking Huntington yeah, Park, I, mean, yeah. I know
3: that I, I could have. He didn't know because you know I feel like Foe having been with the shits, was acutely aware of the danger. Right. He he me not being right with way. the shits was not acutely aware, and living in obliviousness. But I also feel like, for instance, the nigga like Concept or nigga like folk they know they're being sized up. They know they're being. They know them niggas look at them like, oh, you could be with the shits. Right. They're not looking at me like I'm with the shits. I'm a non-factor, I'm a non you know? <laughs> so, like, we just got different concerns. But that was definitely one of those situations where it was like, I can't believe I led them into that. But they held me down. They had my back and shit like that. Like, that nigga Marcos could have just bailed. Right. <laughs> I was like, yo, they told me I got the wrong gang tattoos. I can't take this off. Right. You know, but he was like, nah, They patched it up. So he could stay and watch the show.
0: That's hilarious. Yeah,
3: it was cool though. It was cool. I don't I don't regret. Damn. No regrets. No regrets. Nah. <laughs> that was a good time That's too.
0: That's wild. Any other kind of crazy stuff in Cali? Um.
3: Well, you know that loft that you came to. Right. That was
0: Wasn't it like half burnt down or some shit? Yo, it and was And they filmed shit there at the top
3: when we moved in there it was in renovation so like i needed a place we could be loud right. i went to exactly. LA to make music so i was like we was going to these apartments you know what i mean I'm like this ain't gonna work and so finally we i'm looking like artist lofts and we find an artist loft downtown this shit is unfinished like the ground is cement with with screws sticking out the bottom you know what i mean oh, like shit. no kitchen there's no fridge
2: oh, shit. there's
3: just a bathroom and a giant concrete box Oh, it's perfect.
2: Right. And this yeah. nigga whoa,
3: he was like I I was I was getting a place, you know, you going to move out there after I get the place. So he didn't know what place I got.
0: Oh, I got shit. the place right downtown too.
3: Yeah, he pulled up. He was like, "What you mean I ain't got a kitchen?" <laughs> I was like, Ah. Oh,
0: "We, we can make
3: beats." Yeah. And the nigga was, "So we had to go to bed bed whatever that might buy a kitchen and build a kitchen." <laughs> oh, <laughs> In this shit. motherfucker. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> now nah, cuz he was like, "I'm fat. I got to eat." So uh, <laughs> that, that nigga said. He would cook though, to his credit, but Oh, he's bomb ass cook. He had to buy a fridge. <laughs> mm-hmm. He had to buy this but so basically it was this giant Just like a storage unit. Just a big storage said, unit bars. with a garage door. I got my beat set up. We got beds that are like basically you know, the joints you buy from Home Depot, or whatever you build, but we had to build partition walls. Like our beds are right next to each other. <laughs> like, yeah, shit. You know I mean? sure. Partitions and right. shit. But yeah, that place turned into the trap. Like I used to have. At one point I was living with two ex porn star, after Fog Left, two ex porn stars, both like strung out as fuck, and Marcos. So I was with the dealer, <laughs> two other junkies who were also sex workers and me and I'm just making beats, and they're just like- trap Trapping, yeah. yeah. Everybody trapping. This nigga Marco's trapping. These hoes trapping, bro. I'm just making beats, the trap going on. Yeah, so it was an extended <laughs> wild story for about two years, you know what I mean? My oh, so- landlord slash dope dealer crossed the hall.
1: Selling drugs and pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Selling drugs
3: and pussy. (laughs) I'm making beats. I'm soundtracking the trap, bro. It was wild. Selling beats. Yeah, I'm selling beats. I'm tracking beats. You know what I mean? I'm keeping it legit. Nah, it was wild though. Just because, like, I remember, I Michaela moved to L. A. at that point too. My girl. Mm -hmm. She, so she had a place in Pasadena. So, I would leave, and go up there. And the rest of these fucking lunatics and junkies would just be in Ooh, that Just fire. wild the fuck out. And then they'd be banging and fighting and getting at it and calling me, oh, my God. I'm like, nigga, I'm in Pasadena. I don't got a car. Figure it out. That's but just far, I'm too. I'm just high making beats in Pasadena. You know what I mean? Right. But, like, it was just definitely, like, <laughs> when I look back at it now, I'm like, that was insane. It was so normal. You know what I mean? And I think I liked having all these people around because they were more people giving me drugs. But
2: right. I mean, like,
3: Particularly like the porn stars, like they had, they were well past their days of grace. You know what I mean? <laughs> they were shot the fuck out, well and they were beyond. zombies, and they were just walking around, and it was just normal to have these fucking, yeah, you know I mean, knocks, bro, straight knocks. Like heads. <sighs> now it's crazy
0: because when I went to your crib over there, bro, like I swear, Elvis, I seen like the most graffiti in like probably like a three-four block radius. That i had ever kind of really seen because they were like even across the street and shit, i was just like god damn it it was wild
2: it bro. was grimy
3: where we yeah. live. it was like a few blocks past skid row but there was this there's these train tracks right behind our house right and these train tracks like now if you go by that area that's just like what they say now is that a lot of hijackers are getting those trains like mm-hmm.
1: like, like oh that's where the trains are getting jack they, got, jumped they, they got
0: drones yeah
3: Right oh, there. Oh, shit. So it'd be like, if you go there now, you just see tons of, like, Nike boxes and shit. You know what I mean? Because oh, damn. They, like,
1: they got all that shit.
3: But back then it would just be trash, but it, you could just walk along this train track and you'd see hella graffiti. Yep. And so it was like, not qu- it was like, skittier bro. Right. You know what I mean? More skiddy. Skiddier, er skittier row you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Skid row It was
1: even worse.
3: It was worse, and I think that was the thing, too, about it. was so like
1: the chuck arm guy's at. You know, it's like the no-juck. homelessness crisis
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: in L.A. is
3: exploding. That was right before that, you know what I mean? But, like, I don't know. You know what ended up happening is um, a homegirl of foes ended up renting a spot there. And had a studio
2: mm-hmm.
3: and it was called like studio 2190 at that same loft space after we that where they
0: still the parties
3: uh, yeah i think it's so you know, roll adrian up? swish or whatever uh i don't know what happened. i think the pandemic shut that down but it was a cool spot had i had my shit together right you know what i mean that would have been lit but instead of i made it seedier somehow mm. I made skid row even sick
1: that's dope. Mm-hmm. That's actually a cool. It's little, got a little flex. It's yeah, got a little flex, a flex though. Yeah, yeah. I
3: brought I made How many I'm, people can say that? Shit? How many how many people can make say they made Skid Row even the scummier scummier? Hell yeah. I'm an accomplished. Nah, game.
1: I see you. I actually respect, <laughs> I respect yeah, that
3: Yeah, nah. I mean I think part of the thing about it was like like for instance with, with Marcos and like that whole situation is like some niggas operate well in filth.
2: Right. Right.
3: And some niggas get into the slot for the first time; they're having a great time, but they're not conducting themselves well. You know right. what I mean? Like some niggas can live in the slot. from that? Yeah, you know, top. you get out this get out the trough. I was right. I was playing in the slot, but I had no business there. You know what I mean? A nigga like Marcos, he lived there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Grew up there. I mean, I, I liken it to this: LA is like a city of dreamers, right? Right. And so you have this pipe dream, right? And most dreamers don't achieve their dreams they get ensnared somewhere along that pipe right
0: and, the and become the,
3: the pipe scum that ensnares other dreamers
2: yeah. and that yeah. becomes
3: its own ecosystem of ensnaring other young dumb dreamers because you yourself were a young dumb dreamer who was also ensnared it's like a fucking ponzi scheme of scumbags right so something just thrive in that where it's like oh yeah I'm good it's like a fucking multi-level marketing scheme for, for young dumb yeah, like, like, yeah. So, somebody wooed you, all you can do is turn around and woo the next man, you know what I mean? And I feel like if I'd have stuck around, that's what I would have had to do. Mm-hmm. I'd have had to be like being opportunistic with young 21 year old dreamers, right?
1: Yeah, motherfuckers just want to stay in LA, though. A lot of people could just leave and not, not be a part of that no more, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But a lot of people love that they're stuck on that. At How'd you LA make it LA out, lifestyle. man?
3: Like I said, bro, I feel like a big part of it was like everything kind of dissipated, like that loft space. I ended up moving out, and it was just me and Michaela and her spot in Pasadena. I'm fucking withdrawing. I'm king you know? And it's like, this ain't it, you know? And so, wow. like, I remember I read this book. It's called I Forgot to Die by this dude named Khalil something, and it's basically this crazy junkie story. And at the end, he talks about this rehab he went to. Mm-hmm. And I just, on a whim, I was like, "Fucking, I'm going to call this rehab. And so, basically, I called the rehab, and... and more or less they grammy.org grammys mm-hmm. they will pay for musicians to go to rehab if you can prove your musicians album came out in the past five years or whatever so through making that phone call on a wish and a prayer they're like oh you're a musician my there's this organization applied to this so then i applied to that and they got me a bed in a rehab and damn yeah
1: shout out grammy's yeah yeah for real yeah
3: yeah yeah It's real shit. and so <laughs> that's tough. that was and the place I went was this place called Impact, which is kind of famous because Robert Downey Jr. went there. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, See where his career Yeah, yeah. And that,
3: that. was, the, it's like, it's what's, it's known as an end of the road type place, like where it's like. Last spot, last spot. Yeah, like.
0: Before you're fucking gone.
3: Yeah, right, right. So basically they have this big orange tree in the middle of this place and it used to be you could eat the oranges, but you can't anymore because Robert Downey Jr. would throw them over the things to his drug dealers. His drug dealers would put heroin in the oranges and throw them back over. Oh, shit. So now people can't eat the oranges, but just shit like that. Shit. So, like, the nigga from Red Hot Chili Peppers, it was, like, a kind of famous, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, apparently it used to be, like, way hardcore. Like, they used to, like, make you wear these fucking sandwich board signs and be like, I'm a dumb junkie and then, like, Clean the floor with toothbrushes and shit like that, but that's not Damn. when I was there. When I was there, it was still kind of like militaristic, but uh them niggas would have gave me a toothbrush and said, Where's the like, sandwich more to scrub that. the floor? i am like, give me some dope. Get the right. fuck out of here. But um, <laughs> nah, it was it was it was a 30-day experience, and I remember, you know, a lot of niggas stay there for a year and a half, you know what I mean? Because, Damn. because they'll help you build your life. You go, you go to this rehab, fresh off get rough. You know what I mean? And you got a bed and a cot and three meals. And then they'll help you get a job. They'll help you get a place. And then you get your first little crib on the lot. And it's like this little room. You know what I mean? They gotta teach you how to be an adult. But I didn't I wasn't quite there because I feel like a lot of people who go to rehab, they go there because they have to. Right. I went there because I wanted to. So my inclination was not to gain the system. Like for instance, it was down the block from my house. At any point I could have just walked out. You know what I mean, and I remember a lot of people were like, "Damn, you live down the block? I can't believe you stay in here." And it's like, "Well, because I want to be here." Right? You know I mean, I don't, I don't want do this wanna... shit no more. So I think that because of that nature, like, I was more inclined to believe what was going on, but also I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to, like, because you know, I think the thing with like AA and all that shit is mad culty, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah you know I mean like the main thing they'd be like is you're not special. You're not you know, like don't think like you're on your own we think for you now. Right type shit. And it's just like that's never gonna work for me. You
2: you right. cannot look me in my eye and
3: tell me I'm not special. Yeah. You crazy, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm a snowflake, I don't know what the fuck you talking about. So like <laughs> out the top, even though they'd always be like, You're not special, but like how am I not special? I'm the only nigga here voluntarily. Fuck is you talking about? I'm clearly special. Mm-hmm. But like beyond that, you know, they, they really try to take agency from you, like you got to be like, hi, my name is Tom. I'm an addict. You've been be clean for 12 year. years. I'm an addict. You're not an addict no more, nigga. At one point, but you if you're not an addict no more, what you need AA for? Right. you know what I mean? So, like, that's how all rehabs work. They're all 12-step systems. But, frankly, the best thing about rehab is it can detox you safely. They will be there with you medically, all this other shit. So if you just need to get to the other, because I think particularly with these heavy-ass opiates, motherfuckers want to quit but can't make it 10 days, 14 days.
0: Was that shit hard as fuck or what?
3: Because I was there, they made it easier. But, like, if you try to white-knuckle that shit, bro, I'll tell you stories about white-knuckling. That shit will horrify you. Let me just say this. Black stuff comes out of every part of your body. Ah, Nigga, I had a diaper on one day. I shit you not. (laughs) Because it was just like, I can't control myself. And so, like, you can't cold turkey that shit. It's not healthy. It's not wise. Like, this ain't the basketball diaries. You know what I mean? So, like, you go to a facility. They help you. They walk you through it. You come out the other end. And, yeah, you can join the cult. Because they always have this get Out the gate by eight and the spoon by noon. Which is to say, you know, you'll leave here and go right back to dope. Right. And it's like. You see how scummy that is? Yeah. You see how scummy that is? Yeah. How they're like, literally like. Right.
1: They're already saying you just, you can't have the control up. to do that.
3: Uh, I mean, I, 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 I you not? I'm they're sober. A lot of just you. on resentment. <laughs> of, I'm still right. clean a little bit just on like, fuck like, you. Fuck you. Yeah, fuck we'll, you. We'll get out. i die that way too. Let <laughs> yeah. me suck my dick dick sober. Last longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, last longer. Not everything I love, bro. So, you know, I think that was part of how I got out was like. All the toxic people. Once they were removed, it's like that UB40. I can see clearly now. Lorraine is gone, type shit. And again, I'm not of the slop. I'm not of the horse trough. You feel me? So once I get removed, I'm like, bro,
2: I got shined. I'm covered in dirt, you
3: know. So I think that's part of the thing with the album too. Like with the, this whole thing was like because. When I talk about the opiate crisis that we went through as a generation, indie rap and all this type of shit, it took many forms. It started with Oxycontin. Right. Then Oxycontin got to where it. Then there was heroin. Mm-hmm. And now you're looking at fentanyl. You yep. know what I mean? And somebody like me, I feel like I went through all that shit. I, I went through the Oxycontin phase. I went through the heroin phase. I went through the, the fentanyl phase. And I'm a miracle. Because like, the reality is, most people don't get out any of those phases without maintenance drugs. Most people don't get into like, it. You get off no. those drugs, you're going to be on suboxone, you're gonna be on
0: some, yeah, some right. for the rest of shit. your fucking right.
2: life.
3: You know what I mean? And like, for me, so the first time I got off those drugs, I was good. And then I came to Denver and I was good. You know what I mean? And then those those blues, the the fentanyl pills that we talk about, they came around and shit like that. And it was like, I thought it was something different. You know, it kind of reminded me of old school shit. But right away, it was like, uh-oh, this is that same shit. You could feel it, Yeah. yeah. So I knew what to do. I was like, "Let me go get help," and I went and got help. But the main thing was therapy, not maintenance, not not not. It wasn't the substance. It was the up. issues. Right. Yeah, the but the stuff behind the stuff behind, why, behind it. Yeah. And I found out the ninety percent of the reason I was doing drugs was because of that delusion I had about it lubricating the creative process. Right. I wasn't somebody who was using drugs to heal trauma or at some like. I wasn't diddled as a kid or some shit. You know what I mean? Great. You, you know them to be who you shit. are
1: and be creative. Type shit was it.
3: And so like, I kept going back to the well because even after I'd get clean, I'd be like, Oh, oh I'm not making music no more. Blah blah blah. Maybe it's because I'm not doing. You know, that would be enough. Right. right. And then what happened was I realized in this last phase with the with these blues or whatever the fuck was like. I would. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'd be like, I'm gonna do this drug and then go make music. And then wake up with my shit, like this, on the beat machine. Big fucking beat, like big old button on my forehead, (laughs) you know what I mean? I'm not making no music on this shit. And so I literally- knocking you. I literally went to therapy to make the album. I literally got two therapists and I was like, they're like, why are you here? And I was like, so I can finish my fucking album. Reality, I was there because I was a fucking drug addict. But that was how I was comfortable saying it. But, you know. Well, what do you think is stopping me from making an album? drug addiction <laughs> you know what I mean like oh okay so we're not here about no fucking album but I think the bigger picture too is just being self-indulgent like I'm the kind of person who's like if I want it why
1: not yeah I'm gonna why do not? it right
3: you gotta come up with bigger reasons and I think the thing for me was like I really didn't want to reconnect with my creativity and I really did realize that like this is the biggest impediment actually to me being creative right delusion.
0: is getting over, yeah, the delusion of needing drugs to be mm-hmm. creative.
3: And so with macaroni, that song particularly was like this dude that I always listened to. His name was Nick Bassett. He was in these bands. One was called Were and another was called Nothing. And like during this whole period there were like two bands that were like life changing. Like I listened to them all the time. And I didn't know this one dude was in both bands, right? And eventually I met another friend of his named Sean Durkin who was in this band called Weekend before the Weekend like it's like a punk, post-punk band and, and like we became friends and I would always talk to him about work I would always talk to him and he was like "Well, you know that for Nick is producing blah 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 I'll introduce you so, whew, well it's crazy so he did and I remember I was talking to him and then this Nick he sent me he recorded something on his phone and <coughs> sent it to me and I was like that's like the first piece of music somebody had written for me it wasn't a sample it wasn't somebody's somebody right. he was like I wrote this riff for you and it was just a voice note That's the sample for Macaroni. I literally took that voice note, made the song. Damn. And then I remember writing that song was literally about, that song is about when I was doing the the drugs and I was on a phone call with my friend. Something had happened, like an opportunity presented itself. I was working on this documentary and she realized that I just had this pronounced imposter syndrome. So she was like, we gotta have a meeting. I was like, okay, what what do you mean? She's like, FaceTime. And and there's reading. And there's required reading. (laughs) And it was like the first line on it was, you are not an imposter. Like, that was literally what, so like, I wrote about that experience. And it was about, so much about that, but also in this moment realizing, okay, that's the story that made me go. I mean, because I was hot and she saw it in my eyes Mm -hmm. you know what I mean on the FaceTime call and it was just like the shame and embarrassment that was really the turning point for me where I was like and it's about that about like yo your relationship with music has nothing to do with these drugs you know what I mean it is in you not on you and it's not something you right, right you know so like I feel
1: like it doesn't come from outside of it you it doesn't
3: come from outside you know and that's what that song is about and that's really like macaroni niggas imposters right you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> cause like that was the thing it's just like
1: that's fucking sick
3: you be thinking you're a mac and you know you're a macaroni nigga you mm-hmm. know what I mean yep. <laughs> but yep. you are a mac you gotta decide you know and I feel like there was a a, a a distinct process of as as do this album, just figuring it out. Like the next song after that was like, it's called Unholy Love and it's about that, you know, nasty ritual with drugs, you alone. It's like an unholy love, you know, Mm -hmm. in a room alone with your little drugs or whatever. But that was a song that like, wasn't like, so much of music making for me was like, here's my idea, I'm going to go, you know, Pre-playing this, it's like premeditated murder.
2: Mm-hmm. And that
3: was second-degree murder. Like, I just got in the moment, made the beat, came up with the. I didn't write nothing. You know what I mean? I just freestyled the just whole freestyle thing so yeah. And I was like, that ain't never happened.
2: You know what I mean? <laughs> right, man, right. That ain't never
3: happened. Do I just let it happen? Right. You know? And then, so I think even listening to these records, it's like, man, something has got to be wrong here. Something has got. But it's like, it feels like. It feels good. I guess not. There's one song on the album. It's called "Dream Ebony," and um, to me, it's probably my favorite song on the album. But that was a one take of me singing it, and one I remember take Jake. Yeah, and I remember recording it, and I cried at the end. Like I cried while recording it, and I listened. And I listened, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds terrible." <laughs> and I went. I was like, "I suck at music." I had to take a nap. I was so frustrated. I woke back up. I went back and looked, listened to it again, and I cried again. And I was like, okay, well, even if it sounds bad, every time I listen to this song, it makes me cry. There's gotta be something there.
0: Right.
2: You
3: know what I mean? And that's just what I'm saying. It's just like this disconnection from the mental, you thinking your way through it, oh, this, that, and you just, how does it feel? Does it feel good? Does it feel right? How did it, cause that's that's not a, it was not a mental thing. Like that, that's, that's, it was bigger than me, you All
2: know right. what I mean?
3: And so like, just this relinquishing Of the nature of like control, you know what I mean, and 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 the premeditation and all this other stuff, this intellectual exercise that I had made making music, towards a lot more of like a feeling process for me now. You know what I mean? I think with singing and with melodies and all sort of stuff, it's very instinctual. Mm -hmm. Like whereas we're rapping with bars, it's like.
0: Same shit.
2: It's
3: my rhyme scheme.
0: Like, right. Uh, Gotta set it up all.
3: Like, I can't remember last time. I, like, I think even if I did get back into rapping, I would have to be freestyling. You know what I mean? Like, I would have to like... Because that's really... The process of writing is like a little bit like a sterilization. There, it's a disconnect. Like, this is the process, right? Right. So you stop in the middle.
1: That's what a lot of these young cats this. are doing right now yeah. man yeah that's pretty dope too yeah. i like it I mean, a lot of
3: people and i, I mean I've I, seen I thought some that dope was I, I can never do that you know but I, I think that that's this if you're recording you're writing because you are documenting what you're saying you know what mm-hmm. i mean but if you're a recording artist that's where you write what's on paper is not the finished product What's on waxes What's right. on recording right. The way know you know flip it So like Even processes like that I couldn't have come To that conclusion Without a bit of sobriety Without a bit of space And without like A degree of like Okay I gotta I gotta risk it You know what I mean I
2: gotta yep. go in here And
1: just Well and being confident In yourself what yeah. you gain from 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 knowing from that It's coming from you Not from something else That you're bringing in And I, I think that's
2: You know
3: I think that's a lot to be said too, About that Is like slowly gaining confidence you can hear on the album like the reticence like i, feel I hear like, it
0: picking yeah, up imagine. if you send it to me the way that it goes i hear it like yeah. building up you right. know what i mean
3: right to where like i could be like i'd be thinking to myself like a lot of times like maybe the first step is boring maybe the first i you know but uh, what i think is like uh, but that's
0: that's th- you thinking it's, it's real yeah
3: it's real like i don't right. give a fuck like right. this is the process this is what happened you know what i mean this is an accurate documentation of what occurred it would be faking the funk, let me pump this up, let me make this, if it's, if it's this or that, or whatever flaws or shortcomings exist in this work, mm-hmm. it is still honest, it is still truthful. And that's more important than some preconceived notion of what good or bad is. Because I think that's the thing about it, it's like, if somebody could listen to this record and be like, I don't get it, I don't like it. They're just saying, I don't get it, I don't like it yet. Because the reality is like, I've heard records I didn't like it the first time. Now they're my favorite albums of all time. The record didn't change. Right. I changed. All these people are movable to where, like, that fear of, like, maybe my friends won't like it. Maybe right. my friends won't <laughs> like it now, but I'm confident they will like it. I'm right, confident right. they will get it with time. That's one of the things you realize over time is, like, if you're consistent and you're doing something and the world is telling you, I don't get it. I'm not right. If you're consistent, mm-hmm. the world will come around. Right. But adversely, if you change to the world, that idea that you are invested in, that you believe in, will never come to fruition, will never be given its due credit. You gotta believe in it when nobody believes in it.
2: Not for you real. gotta be
3: the one man of faith in a world. Because I think here's the thing about it, man. The world is never right. It's the people in the world that are right or wrong. And the reality of the situation is nobody's permanently right or permanently wrong. So if somebody has an idea, somebody has a belief, the world may tell them they're wrong, but if they believe it and they keep fighting for it, eventually the world mm-hmm. will come to their agreement.
0: And see it's right. Yeah. You know what I'm
3: Right. And so it's like, that's the strength and faith. I feel like a lot of times, even in doing the drugs, you are acquiescing. You're saying the world is right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And
0: when actually, you're right.
3: You're right. I mean, you gotta have that faith, you gotta know.
0: Hell yeah, hell yeah. Hey, what's the name of the album again? Coming out, Faven.
3: Faven, when's it dropping? Eleven twenty-three, November twenty-third. Oh, wow. Faven is my friend. She's basically somebody. It's you know the the tagline for the album is dream pop for a black woman, particularly her, because like I said, I didn't know why I was making music, but I also didn't know who I was making music for, right? right? And so like she was somebody who would have these early demos, and she was like, one day she asked me, she's like, "What's up with this music?" And I was like, "What you mean?" She's like. This is one of my favorite pieces of music of all time. You have to, and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I know, who I'm making music for you.
0: Oh yeah.
3: So she
1: yep. gets the
0: album, messed up, messed up. And you got a social media man Where they can check out yeah, your music, yeah, or yeah, all that like, good stuff.
3: The IG is Obliterati Records. O B L I T E R A T I Records. I'm
0: have to get that because I don't I follow keep. you on the gram. Yeah, Hopefully. yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. I was my name, but. That's the label I started just to put my shit out with, you know what I mean? But like, um, the single is on Spotify and all that shit right now under my name Jonas Y O N N A S Macaroni. <laughs> uh, don't spell it wrong. I know. I'm no, a jackass. no, no two s's. <laughs> just two n's. Oh
0: man, my bad, my bad. I know. That's, I don't do it anymore. Actually, every time I now when I was looking up, like, make sure you spell that shit right. <laughs>
3: Whoa,
0: double N-A Double N. Doubla- <laughs> double N. I got it. I got, yeah. it. I got it. I got it. <laughs>
3: nah, you know what though, fucking um I mean when it come out, I wanna come back. You know what I mean? Oh no, for sure. Yeah, let's do yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we should definitely gonna, get another we're one. We're gonna
0: in. talk, we're gonna make some tight shit happen, bro. We got the space to make it happen. Yeah, so nah, nah. we're gonna have the little first mini concert right here with your boy right here. You wanna okay. do that shit? I'll uh, do a little tiny desk in, here. Uh, yeah. I'll do do tiny desk in this. One. Are, I'll, I'll,
1: I'll get I don't the wanna
2: band hear together and <laughs>
0: let's We got witnesses. <laughs> In two, three uh, months going down uh, here. With I'll bring Yonah a band of this motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do no it, bro. Yeah. i weed.
3: Yeah, No drugs. No pookies.
0: drugs you get? Your eggs. No pookies,
3: nigga. He's Put the pookie down. <laughs> nah, um, uh, what was I going to say? You know, I mean, down. I think part of the thing, too, with performing and all that shit is like, I really just want to get the music out. And For I feel sure. Like, part of performing and all that shit is like, that could get in the way. I just wanna market online. I just wanna make videos. I just wanna make. And then when there's an audience, when there are people wanna see a show. Bless him. I'll bless them. I'll bless them. But I'm not about to do that. I'm opening up, bro. Yeah. yeah.
0: On your terms. That's
3: what on it's all about. Term. You know what I'm saying? On my fucking terms. Yeah,
0: that's
1: what it's about now,
0: Hell yeah, bro. Oh Well, right. shit, man. Any any final thoughts? Any last
3: scenes? Nah, man. I really appreciate this. I'm really excited. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, like, it's been a long time. You know, I'm excited to get back out there, and that's why I felt like if I'm going to do that, I got to start. You know what I mean?
2: Because, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: you know, you really got to center the people who center you, and you got to be, you got to... Like, my dad used to always say, bro, I used to perform shows and I'd be, like, rapping and the people in front would be all into it. And real quick, he would be at all of them. I know. My mm. dad is a real one. But um, I, the people in the back, I'd be like, put your hands up all that. And he'd be like, why are you worried about the people in the back who don't care? What about the people in the front who do? And I, that's that's a life lesson. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's why I'm here. Because Joe Thunder was in the front. You know what I mean? Yeah. Elvis was in the front. Yeah. So... I gotta center let's
0: y'all stop. first. No, I appreciate you, bro. I like, you know so, Appreciate bro, you for sure. Happy sure to and we'll do it again. Make this shit happen, bro. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. I promise
2: mm. you. I promise you. Tiny desk. No
0: tiny <laughs> uh, yeah. so, Thunder's first. It. Tiny
3: yeah. desk. Ah, I
0: right ah.
3: right, better get
0: your tickets in advance. So. You sell me. All right. Well, There you have it. Another banger for you, man. The homie Jonas. Yeah. Killing appreciate shit.
3: y'all.
0: Your boy Elvis Freshly, we got Juan in the building. No. We got Crook, your boy Joe Thunder, find us on all platforms. We are out of here. Peace. Peace. Peace.